Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. I'm going to read a passage of scripture that if you grew up in church, very much like last Sunday's, it's kind of one of those that a lot of people know. If you didn't grow up in church, you're new in the Lord, you're getting a good one. So you want to highlight this one and mark it down. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Talking about total trust today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, in everything you do, acknowledge Him. Check with Him first. And God will direct your path. Y'all like that, don't you? Give Him praise again this morning. Be seated. Trust, total trust. So I'm going to make a confession this morning. As a communicator, say a little something, kind of get your attention. I'm just going to open up, tell you something about me. Maybe you didn't know. You know a lot about me. You know, I'm an outdoorsman. You just you know a lot, but I'm just going to tell you something today. There is a part of me deep down that would love to go skydiving. I kid you not. There is a part of me. The funny thing is I am terrified of heights. I, and I don't, I'm, the, older I've gotten, I, yeah, the older I've gotten, I don't like flying much anymore either. But I don't know, man. There is just something that just seems attractive about jumping out of the side of a plane and just free-falling and just totally out of control and just the rush, you know. It, I don't know. There's, and I know, you, you know, if you're going to do it, you got to be in tandem so you're an instructor, but it doesn't matter. It would just – now, lest anyone – be deceived this morning. That ain't happening. I mean, I'm having a partial knee replacement in the morning. I have to be at 5.15 in the morning. I have to be at St. Francis downtown. Please pray for my wife because she thinks 4 four o'clock only comes once a day. And she's got to get up. So you pray for her and take me to the hospital in the morning. So, I mean, I am not jumping out of a plane once I get my knee repaired to smash that thing. They, my, my insurance company wouldn't like me doing that. But there is a part of me that just thinks that would be the coolest thing to do. I, I, you know, I, I know people who've done it, right? I'm just got, I got Tim Hill. You know, I've been skydiving. I've just got that in my head now. I'm ruined. And I've just ruined 25 of you, right? The whole, you're never going to hear another thing I preach. But, but I know people who've done it. And I do know that if I would do it, which I'm not, like, when I get a glorified body, I'm going to see if the Lord and I can arrange that then. Because then it won't matter, right, in the millennial reign, whatever. But if I did, I understand, because I've talked to people, first of all, i got to trust my instructor. Because I'm in tandem, and i got to trust that he's going to connect me to him. And when we jump out, he, we're not going to start going into multiple flips or whatever. He's going to take care of me. And then the second thing is, I've got to trust my parachute. I've got to trust that when I pull that cord, that it's going to, it's going to, or he does, it's going to open up, and we're going to be floating. Did y'all ever hear the story about the guy that his, his, he joined the Army, and his girlfriend wanted him to be a paratrooper, and he didn't want to be a paratrooper, but he did it to impress his girlfriend, and so they did all the training. He went up in the airplane. There's nothing spiritual about this whatsoever. just came to me. And so he went up in the airplane, and it came time. The light went green, and the sergeant had told him, when you jump out of the plane, count to ten, Take your right hand, reach on the left side, and pull your chute cord. Your chute will deploy. If by any means that 
you reach with your right hand to your left side and pull your shoot cord and your shoot does not deploy. You will take your left hand to your right side. You will pull your emergency shoot cord. Your emergency shoot will deploy. When you get to the ground, there will be trucks waiting to pick you up. That's how they do in the military. So the light turned green. It was his turn. He got to the door and the sergeant had to kick him out. He counted to 10. He reached over with his right hand, pulled that shoot cord. Nothing happened. He took his left hand, he reached over the right side of that emergency chute cord, and nothing happened. And as he went whistling by one of his buddies, he said, uh-huh, and I bet those trucks ain't going to be down there neither. That's a bad day. So I know that if, you, if you're going to skydive, you've got to trust the instructor, and you've got to trust what he's told you, and you've got to trust the parachute. There's a lot of trust to do something like that. I titled this Total Trust because Solomon, who, who wrote the most of Proverbs, wrote our text, and he addresses the issue of trust in our text, except he's not telling us to trust a, an instructor, a skydiving instructor, or what he's told us, or a, a parachute. He's telling us to trust the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Place your total confidence in God. That's what he's saying to us today. Wholeheartedly. Rely on God to do what he said he would do, to do what you need him to do. So if I give you some things that are textable, tweetable, Instagrammable, or just you need to write it down, here's one of them right here. You ready? God is looking for faith from you, and he's looking for faith in you. That's what he's looking for. Jesus said, when I return, when the Son of Man returns, will I find faith upon the earth? He's looking for people that will trust him and trust his word. I'm going to tell a lot of Bible stories today. It reminded me of a story in Mark chapter 11. Jesus and the disciples are walking out of a town, excuse me, and uh, they pass a fig tree. Jesus is hungry, goes over the fig tree to get some figs. But it's not the season for figs. No figs on the tree, just green leaves. Being the son of God, the creator of everything, he did what he's allowed to do. He just decided to curse the tree. Cursed it. Said, you're going to die. And they walked on. Uh, that day they went back into town, came back the next day. And they passed that fig tree again. Overnight, the fig tree had died, dried up from the roots and was dead. Peter notices this and points it out to the Lord and says, Lord, look at that fig tree. Look what happened after you cursed it. And Jesus turns to him and the disciples, and, in, and I love this. This is about as straight as you can get. I wish somebody would get this day. He looks at Peter, and he says, doesn't talk about a fig tree. He talks about faith. He says, have faith in God. He said the same thing that God said through Solomon in Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Have faith in God. Trust him. He's big enough. He's powerful enough. Trust him. And he goes on to say that he wants us, he wants you to trust him so much that when you face life's obstacles that are immovable, that's, that's the mountain. Look, that verse does not mean, well, let me just read it to you. Whoever, he says, have faith in God, for sure I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that these things he says will be done, he will have whatever he believes. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And the mountain that he talks about 
speaking, is not like we're not supposed to get in our cars and go over to Greenville and say, Paris Mountain, be thou removed. And go to Anderson County so we will have a mountain. Because we don't have a mountain. They tell me that right here where we are having church is either the highest or the second highest point in Anderson County. Did you know that? So right now you own the mountain. That's not what that verse is saying. That verse is metaphorical. It is symbolical. It is talking about mountains. They cannot be moved. Obstacles in your life that you cannot deal with. Things that are bigger than you. Things that you've tried to fix, you've tried to stop, and you can't do it, and you're at your wit's end, and you don't know what to do. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. But I came here to tell you today, when you get saved and you get right with God, you can speak to those things that have been immovable and say, get out of my way in the name of Jesus. And God, Jesus said, if you'll just have faith in God, God will move the mountains in your life. Some people need to hear this today. He wants us to trust him that when we speak, the things that nobody, everybody else says it's not going to happen, it happens. And he wants us to trust him so much that whatever we pray for, not having doubt in our heart, but rather trusting in the Lord with all our heart. We, we say, God, I'm asking you for this. That, look, that doesn't mean, praise the Lord, I'm going to go buy a lottery ticket today. I'm winning that $650 billion. Watch. I know it's million, but billion sounded good. If you win the 650 million, you better write your tithe check to this church for 65 million. I'm coming to see you. Because it's all out there. We know how much you won. Lord, that sounds like a pastor, doesn't it? Have faith in God. Whatever I pray, it's not praying about lottery tickets, it's praying about the things that matter to God. You can pray about anything, but God might tell you no. He might tell you wait. He might tell you, are you crazy? I ain't giving you that. It'll ruin you if I give you that. But when you pray about the things that, that are spiritual, the things that matter to God, the things that are important, those are the things that are in God's, look, the things that are in God's will. Lots, and there are lots of those. When you pray about those things, you've got to believe that they're going to happen. They will. Have faith in God, and don't lean on your own understanding. I, I really want to do some teaching today, and I'm just excited. I couldn't wait to get here today. What is the option to trusting God? The answer is trusting yourself. Now, I know there are more options than that, but that's kind of the, the big one. If I'm not going to trust God, I usually end up trusting myself. I rely on my knowledge. I rely on my skill. I rely on my talent. I rely on my experience. I rely on my resources. Let me give you another one of those tweetable, textable, Instagrammable, highlightable, write this down. Honestly, this is really, this will help you in your walk with God. I just cannot emphasize enough. They're going to put this on the screen. The greatest hindrance to faith is doubt. But the second greatest hindrance is self-reliance. The great, I mean, obviously, the opposite of faith is doubt. So the greatest hindrance to your faith is when you're just doubting. But the second one is when you start saying, I can fix this. I can do this. I, got a, I can make a phone call. My people will call your people. I know a guy. I'll, I'll take care of this. And then you can't. That's when you move out of the realm of trusting God. You're tr 
those are your two biggest challenges. Let me give you the most perfect example is Genesis 1, 2, 3 in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, Satan tempted Eve to sin. There was no sin. And up to that point, Eve had fully trusted God. She fully trusted the words that he had spoken to her. She had no reason to doubt. She had no reason to rely on self because God had provided everything, which is what he does. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ. He takes care of us. But Satan comes along, and the first thing he does is he tries to get her to doubt God and his word. And he said, has God indeed said the word, see, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? He's trying to get her to doubt what God said. And by the way, he twisted it. God never said that you're not to eat of every tree in the garden. He just said you're not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So see, he twisted. That's what the devil does. He twists God's word. That's why I'm worried about the next generation, the teenagers, the college students in our church and in Christendom, in the Church of America, because they go to schools, they go to universities, and they start hearing all of this stuff that is contrary to the Bible. And if we don't ground them solidly, things are said, things are twisted that for the maybe for the first time. And that's that's why we're trying not to do that. We're trying to try to gear them up for it. But maybe for the first time their faith has been challenged. But this is what my mom and dad always told me. This is what Pastor Chris preached, what Pastor Evan preached. Uh, This is what Jason and and Stephanie told us when we were in the in the college and career ministry. But now I'm being told something different, and your faith and words are being twisted. And that's what the devil does. But the second thing he did is that he tempted her to trust herself instead of God. He said, come on, Eve. Let's, I'm going I'm to play the devil, right? I'm not going to be the devil's advocate. I'm going to be the devil. Come on, Eve. Trust me. In the day that you eat of that fruit, you will be like God. He was smart enough to, to say you will be God. He said you'll be like God. And if you're like God, you don't need God anymore. You can do it all. And I preached not too long ago about that's where we are in our postmodern day, modernism and postmodernism, if we just totally removed God. That's why this culture that we live in, they don't care if you show up to church on Sunday morning. They don't care if you pray at your house, but they want you to keep your faith in a church building, and they want you to keep it in a house, but don't take it into the marketplace. Don't take it into your business. Don't take it into your relationships. Don't take it into school. Don't take it into anything else because they don't want it there. Oh, I'm preaching right there. You'll be like God. You won't need God anymore. Well, you don't need God. You can, you can do it all yourself. And that, listen to me, brothers and sisters, I know this is important because that, that appealed to her. Hey, her propensity, her proclivity was, wow, I don't need Adam. I don't need Adam anymore. You know, I'm his helpmate, but I don't have to help him anymore. Or maybe if I'm going to help him, if I could be like God, I could really help him. She started making excuses in her mind, and she grabbed that fruit and ate it and brought sin into humanity. I'm just telling you all today, there are forces 
within and without. Y'all with me? That are, we're fighting that says, don't have faith in God. Just have faith in yourself. I'm going to tell you today, you may have some answers, but you don't have all the answers. You may have some solutions, but you don't have every solution. You may be wise and knowledgeable about a lot of things, but you don't, you, you're not all wise and you're not only all-knowing. Only God possesses all of that. So listen to me. Let's say you're facing a situation and you know what God's word says to do. However, your head, your heart, maybe both are telling you to do something different than what God said. This is the critical moment. Will you trust yourself or will you trust God? So there's a Bible story about a guy that did that, a guy named Naaman. And Naaman, this is in 2 Kings, if I remember. Naaman was the commander of the Syrian army. Uh, They had captured a little girl from Israel, and she was a servant now. And Naaman had leprosy, some kind of a skin disease that could not, they couldn't fix it. They didn't have the medicine back then. And so the little girl said, boy, if you could get to the prophet Elijah, he could heal you. So Naaman, just shorten the story, Naaman loads up with an entourage and finds Elisha's house and goes to Elisha's house and, uh, and says, I-, I need you to come heal me. And I love the man of God. Elisha, I mean, this guy's really this the enemy of Israel. It'd be like Putin coming over here. Hey, Pastor Chris, I've made a trip from Russia. I have a skin disease. I want you to pray for me. Then I'm going to go back to the war. That's really, I'll just give you a comparison of modern day. And so Elisha, Elisha said, told his servant, said, I, I, ain't nobody got time for him. You just go out there and talk to him. Here's what you tell him to do. So he wouldn't even come out. He sends him, who are you? I'm Elisha's servant. He said to tell you, go dip seven times in the Jordan River over here and your skin will be healed by God. Turn around, walk back in the house. Don't you know that ticked him off? Rubbed his Ego wrong. And here's what happened to this Syrian commander. First thing he wrestled with, he's got a word from the Lord. And the first thing he does is doubt it. What? What What did he just say to me? Did he just tell me to go, you dip in a river and you get healed? What kind of nonsense is that? And he goes on a rant. He's doubting what God told him to do. Doubt. And then he moves to self-reliance, and he starts coming up with his own options. Here's how it ought to work. He's coming up with his own. Well, why do I have to do that? Why can't he just, t- I'm a warrior. Why can't he tell me to just do some great deed? God, just tell me to go fight a battle, win a battle, and then you heal me. I can do that. See, we want, we want God to work with us with what we can do. Problem is, You'll get the credit, not him. You'll get the glory, not him. And their servants are trying to settle him down. I don't understand this. I don't understand. All right, wait a minute. If getting in a river will heal you. you, Did you guys notice that river? It it is, oh, what a, that's a horrible river. We got way cleaner. Pack it up. Pack it up. Everybody pack it up. We're heading back to Syria. Why? We got way nicer rivers there. We're going back there. We're going to dip in that river. Stop, 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 sir, but that's not what he said. See, he's coming up with his own ideas. And then he he got spiritual. 
You know, I've been to enough Pentecostal churches, he said. Because Elisha was a Pentecostal. He was spirit-filled. I know I'm stretching it, but stay with me. I've watched enough television. They, they wait. Why can't he just come out of the house and wave his hand over me and lay hands on me and pray for me? Why can't he just do it like it's always done? Are you are y'all with me? Why can't we do it? I'm trying to figure out why can't we do it like it's always. But what if God just tells you? See, maybe you've been doing something like you've always done it, and that's your problem. And God's trying to tell you something different. Oh, it's so easy on Sunday morning. Monday afternoon, God says, you got to do this, don't do that. I don't know about that. See, servants had to settle him down. He's fighting doubt. He's fighting self-reliance. I can come up with better. I can come up with a better solution than this. And it was only when he chose to have faith in God, to trust God and not lean on his own understanding, that that mighty, powerful Syrian commander, who had the ear of a king, took his clothes off and waded into the Jordan River. And started dipping. And it took faith. Because every time he dipped and came up, it was still there. Every time he dipped, it was still there. Six. But when he came down up the seventh time, the healing power of God surged through his being and his body. And when he came up out of the water, he looked and his skin disease was gone. And he was healed by the power of God. Telling you today, you got to get rid of doubt and self-reliance and just have faith in God. And in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. That's what, in every decision, did you hear, did you hear the word every? I'm just making sure that I got that. I'm just, you know, every, not some, not the ones you approve of. Not, not the ones that don't touch your finances, you know, the ones that, that touch your dating or who you're marrying. Did you check with God? Oh, no, I love him. In every decision, check God's word. In every opportunity, See what the Bible has to say concerning every relationship. When standing at every moral crossroad, what do I do here? If I do this, it's wrong. If I do this, it's right. But if I do wrong, I... But if I do right... Every time you're there, ask yourself, what is God telling me to do? By the way, he doesn't suggest it. He's telling you. Oh, can y'all handle that kind of preaching? Because, whoa, that's authoritative. Well, that's, oh, that's, oh, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Well, there's your problem right there. Can I, can I give y'all a secret guy who loves leadership and teaches leadership? Every leader has, is under authority to somebody. 
If you're not under authority to somebody, you're in a dangerous place. Everybody is submitted to somebody. There's always somebody telling you what to do. Sometimes you have to bypass your hesitation. Sometimes you have to bypass your knowledge, your abilities, and you just got to act on God's word. You just got to obey and do what the Bible says to do. Just do it and trust God. Some guy's trying to get you to date him, but you, you just know he's not right. You're trying to live for the Lord. He's not. She's not. Flip it. You tell him no. What if we've already been dating? Well, the problem is now he's got your heart, and now you're fighting faith versus your heart. And the heart is deceitful above all things, the Bible says. So now it's going to be even harder. But you need to call him up or meet with her and say, I know we care deeply about each other, but this can't continue. This is over because I'm, I love Jesus more than I love you. And we can't do this. Now, this is hard preaching and teaching, but I will save some of you from the worst heartache in your life. I'll save some of you from a divorce. I love you. I have no, I, I love you. I'm just trying to help you. My dad did that. My dad pastored, and there was a girl dating a guy, and he had her snowed. Oh, she just thought he was Prince Charming, but she didn't know he was an alcoholic, got drunk all the time, and got abusive. And my dad knew it. And he met with that young lady and told on him and said, here's what you don't know about him. And she broke up with him. And he got mad. You want to hear the rest of the story? I could just end right there. The rest of the story is that old boy got drunk and came to our parsonage when I was a little kid, ranting and raving in the front yard. We, Dad's got little children in the house. He told Mom, stay in here. And my dad went outside. Walked down on the porch, and Dad said, when I stepped out on the porch, he said, the power of God came on me. The Holy Ghost got on me. He said, I believe I could have broken him in two with one hand. He said, I felt the anointing and power of God get all over me. But he said, I just told him, what are you doing here? You need to get in your car and go home. You broke me up at you, and he's just cussing. And he said, get in your car and go home. Well, he got over there and started trying to rough up Dad. Well, instead of fighting him, because I believe by the power of God, Dad probably could have killed him. Dad just kept pushing him off and letting him swing and getting he. Rip, rip, got a couple swings in, ripped dad's shirt, and then he started up the steps, and dad said, that's far enough. And he said, he looked in my eyes, and he said his eyes got that big and became terrified. He said, I believe he saw angels standing behind me. He said, I don't know. He said he turned and ran to his car and left. Cops picked him up, arrested him, told him he could never come back. You want to hear the rest of the story? We're already at 10 after 11. Y'all in trouble. That's what you get, Pastor Billy, for singing for 40 minutes. You sing 40 minutes, I preach an hour. It's just a swap. Short time later, that man's brother was in the military, and he was getting transferred to Germany. He said, Pastor, Sistar, can I come over to the parsonage? Will you pray for me before I go? He said, yeah. He said, can I bring my brother? Mom, what was his name? I'm having a blank. Larry. Larry McVicker. He said, can Larry come? He's dead, said, I heard him in the back. The cops told me I couldn't go up there. If I go over there, they'll arrest me. He said, tell Larry to come too. 
And Larry McVicker and his brother got in the living room there now at the parsonage that before he wanted to come in and tear everything up and kill people. And he prayed with his brother, and then he started witnessing to Larry, and Larry knelt on the floor at the couch in our living room and gave his life to Jesus Christ. And God delivered that alcoholic and saved him. And Dad told the story. I've heard him tell this story for years. We built a brand-new parsonage, and Larry was a construction guy. And the guy who they built the parsonage themselves to save the church money, and the guy who was the first one to show up and the last one to leave every day, guess who? Larry McVicker. Started coming to church, living for Jesus, transformed by the power of God. And every once in a while, he's a big old rough guy, big guy. Every once in a while, he'd get tears in his eyes, and he'd say, Brother Sestar, why are you so nice to me after the way I treated you? And Dad looked at him and say, just because I love you, Larry, that's why. He'd really start crying then, just because I love you, Larry. Let me give you a Bible example. Y'all good? I'm the one preaching. Peter, James, and John, fishermen. Jesus is teaching. You know, water carries sound. So the Lord, they were over there cleaning their nets. They'd been fishing all night. These guys were professional fishermen. It was their business. David, where'd you go, David? David's somewhere in here. I saw. You You understand. That's what you do. They're professional fishermen. They know about fishing. It's their business. It was their source of living. And so... They've been fishing, didn't catch anything all night. So they're just cleaning nets. The first time I read it, I thought, why are you cleaning the nets? Ain't no reason to clean your nets. But they probably got seaweed in them and, you know, whatever. So they're cleaning the nets. And the Lord shows up in the crowd. He said, hey, can you mind if I get in the boat, use the water, just get off a little bit in the water and use it to amplify sound, get a little sound system, a little natural sound system. Peter, make yourself at home. So when he got through, he said, hey, let's go fishing. If you go fishing with me, we can go catch a big bunch of fish. And Peter said, I love this, and I, I got it written down. He said, he said, launch out in the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And here's what Peter said to him, um, Lord, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. And you know what that's code for? Because I'm a fisherman. That's code for uh, Jesus. We know a lot more about fishing than you do. You stick with carpentry, we'll stick with fishing. Okay? This ain't the fish ain't biting. It's going to be a waste of time to launch out now. But what is, what is it? Doubt. Self-reliance. Lord's telling him to go out and you'll catch fish. I doubt it. And trust me, I know more. I, I, trust, trust me, Lord. That's a great when you tell God, trust me. Trust me. I know more than you do about this. But then it flipped because God was working in old Peter. And instead of staying in doubt and self-reliance, he flipped and he said, but nevertheless, watch this, at your word, I will let down the net. At your word, that's it, at your word. How do you have faith in God? You got to know what he says. You got to read the Bible. You got to listen to preaching like this every Sunday. Good thing about coming here. I don't know, you like it here. And I know we got great preachers here, but we preach the word. You never notice that? 
We preach the word because that's the thing that's going to matter. What, what has God said? What, is God, what did God say? That's all that matters. Because what God said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And they let down those nets and fish, every fish in the Sea of Galilee was told by the Holy Spirit, get to this point. Way marker right there on a GPS. And they came in and they filled the nets and they were so full they were breaking the nets. I'm just trying to tell you today, have faith in God. God will never steer you wrong. When you, listen to me, when you act according to God's word, you will make the right decision. You will know immediately if the opportunity in front of you is a good one or a bad one. You will have clarity about who you should date and who you should marry. You will avoid sin and do the right thing consistently if you just have faith in God. And do what his word says. I'm going to close with this. I, I, want, I want you to leave this place determined to trust God in everything in your life. And that choice is yours daily. And if you don't, it's going to be painful. I'm, I want to read to you a story. I, 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 f- I forgot I even had this story. A guy named Ken Sand, S-A-N-D-E. I don't know if the East, I'm figuring the East silent. Okay, I'm so... Ken Sand, I'm sorry if I get your name wrong. But he told this story. It was his story. I'm just going to read it to you. One day during my morning run, I noticed a blind woman walking on the other side of the street with her seeing eye dog. You can put the picture up. A beautiful golden retriever. And as I was about to pass them, I noticed a car blocking a driveway a few paces ahead of them. And at that moment, the dog paused and gently pressed his shoulder against the woman's leg, signaling to her to turn aside so that they could go around the car. And he said, I'm, I'm sure she normally followed his lead, but on that particular day, she didn't seem to trust him. And maybe it was because she had probably walked that route many times and knew there was nothing normally there. But whatever the case, She wouldn't move to the side and instead gave him the signal to move ahead. He's watching all this. Instead of him moving, he pressed his shoulder against her leg, again, trying to guide her on a safe path. She angrily ordered him to go forward, and when he declined, her temper flared. And he said, I was about to speak up and say something And when the dog once more put his shoulder gently against her leg, she kicked the dog and impulsively stepped forward and bumped square into a car. And she took her hand and felt the shape in front of her, immediately realizing what had happened. And Ken Sand, it makes me want to cry, said, dropping to her knees, she threw her arms around the dog. And sobbing was whispering into its ear. And I'm sure it was, she was saying, I'm so sorry for not trusting you. I don't want you to smash into things that will hurt you. I don't want to see your life in misery and turmoil. I want to see you being the people of God who trust him. I don't want you ever falling on your knees saying, I'm so sorry, God, that I didn't do what you told me to do and now I've made a mess of things please forgive me 
But rather, I want you to be that person who says, God, I'll trust you. I'll trust you, even though I don't understand it. I don't understand. This is a variation of what we normally do. I don't understand it, but I'll trust you. He shall direct your path. He'll never steer you wrong because he'll take care of you. Stand with me this morning. I feel the sweet presence of God in this house. I want the prayer team members to come quickly. Quickly, elders, deacons, your spouses, life group leaders, small group leaders, you know who you are. Please, our prayer team members, come. Line up across this front, please. And if you are here this morning, say, Pastor Chris, this word is spoken to me. I've got some areas of my life I'm wrestling with, or just I, I've got some things I need to trust God for. Would you step out as we sing and let someone pray with you? so that you can leave here with your faith strengthened and God do something in your life. You might get a healing. You might get a miracle. Who knows? If you need to be saved, hey, just get out walk down there. It's just a walk. And, and let us pray with you. If you need to come back to the Lord, whatever you need this morning, let me pray. Father, I pray in the next few minutes that God, whatever you want to do, whatever you need to do in people's lives, that God, it'll happen as these wonderful prayer team members lay hands on people and pray with people, that God, they'll leave this house changed and transformed by the power of God and knowing that they're going to do what's right and do the do what is your will and walk in the power of your will help every I don't know God it could be business it could be relationships it could be finances it could be they're struggling with something from the past whatever God just today God do a mighty work in people's lives let this, this Sunday this last Sunday in February be a landmark day for them come on come to the altar would you thanks for listening Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.